morning. If in order to become a Christian, if in order to become a Christian, first you had to become a Jew. Just imagine if in order to believe in Jesus Christ, before that could happen, first you had to be circumcised if you were a male. You had to keep the food laws. If you're having roast pork for lunch this afternoon, that would be out the window. You had to keep the laws of Leviticus. Read through Leviticus. You had to keep all of those different laws. You had to do all of those things. You had to become a follower of Moses, so to speak. You had to become a Jew before you could become a Christian. Only then could Jesus Christ be your Messiah. Only then could you turn and believe in Jesus. Just imagine if that's how it was today. You couldn't come as a Gentile. You had to come as a Jew. Imagine preaching that kind of gospel in Paynton. Imagine standing in the city center as, as some of us do, the town center, as, as some of us do every third Saturday, and say to people, be circumcised, keep the laws of Leviticus, follow Moses, and then you can repent and believe and believe in Jesus Christ and be saved. Become a Jew, so then you can turn to Jesus and have your sins forgiven. Imagine trying to preach that to people. I don't think we would have much success. Well, up until this passage that we've just read together, that was the way that the early believers thought. In their way of thinking, up, up until this point, they thought that Jesus was just for the Jews. He was the Jewish Messiah. And yes, the Gentiles could benefit, but in order for them to benefit, first they had to become Jews. They had to convert to Judaism. And then they could receive Jesus Christ as their Messiah, as their Lord and Savior. That was the way that, that they thought. But in this passage, we see how that changed. And we should be thankful that it did change. Now, just to give a bit of a background, just to the book of Acts. An outline for the book of Acts could be found there in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Now, this is important because it explains why these verses are here in, in the book of Acts, why they fit into this chapter and into this portion of the book. The, the book of Acts can be summarized by what Jesus said in Acts 1 verse 8. This is what he said. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now the first section of the book focuses on the ministry of the church there in Jerusalem and in Judea. That's the first few chapters. Then the book shifts and it goes to Samaria. And there are the chapters afterwards. And now we're in a period of transition. Acts chapter 10 and 11 are a transition period. And it's preparing the church for the final section of what Jesus said and to the end of the earth. And so this portion of the book of Acts is preparing us for what comes next. And from, ver from chapter 13 all the way through to the end of the book. We see the ministry of the church to the Gentiles. And it focuses mainly on the Apostle Paul as he takes the gospel to, to those who, who weren't Jews. And so that's why these verses fit neatly into this part of the book of Acts. The, the writer, Luke, is showing the reader how it was that, that the gospel went to the Gentiles. At this point in our, in our reading, Jesus has ascended. He, he has sent the Holy Spirit. The day of Pentecost has been and gone. They've received power. They've been witnesses to 
those in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, but not yet to the ends of the earth. And as I've said, this is the transition. This, what happens in chapter 10 and now in chapter 11, takes place so that, the, so that they might go to the ends of the earth. And we're gathered here this morning because of what happened in these chapters, humanly speaking. Obviously, we know it's, it's much broader, than, much bigger than that. We're here because of God and what he's done in our lives, because of his grace and all of that. But, but we are here as well because of what happened here. Because if, if these things did not happen here, then the church would never have known that the gospel was for the Gentiles. And we, I, I imagine most of us, if not all of us, are Gentiles this morning, meaning we're not Jews. And, 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 and we would not be here if these things did not happen. Because as I've already said, the, the, the mindset of the early believers was that you had to become a Jew before you could turn to Jesus. But after these events, that all changes. So how did that take place? How did this great change take place? Something that we should all be thankful for this morning. Something that we are all indebted to. How did this change take place? Well, we're going to find out in a moment. But just before we do, I just want to emphasize, as I've already said, that these events that took place are so important to us as, as Gentiles, as those who aren't Jews. And if they did not take place, we would not be here this morning. We would not be here this morning. We would all still be pagans. We, we, we would. We would be without God, without hope, without Christ. And so, and so these, these verses are very important to us. We should hold them very dear as Gentile believers. We're here this morning worshipping the Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, because of what happened here. And so let, let's look at it together and see, see what happened. And in our passage, what we see, this, if you could summarize this with a sentence from verse 1 through to verse 18, you could summarize it with, the gospel is even for the Gentiles. The gospel is even for the Gentiles. You can summarize that this portion with that sentence, and we see that, that this fact at first was hard to swallow. This was a fact that was hard to swallow for the early church. And this is what we see in verses 1 through 3. We see that, that they struggled with this truth that the gospel was for those who weren't Jews as well. And, 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 and we know that they struggled with it because of how quick the news spread. This was very controversial. The fact that in chapter 10 we read of Peter going into the house of Cornelius and preaching the gospel to them. When, when this news spread, people were shocked. And we know that by how quickly it spread. We read there in verse 1 that, that the apostles and the brothers and the people who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had received the word of God. How did they hear it? This happened in Caesarea, in the house of Cornelius. And somehow it spread all the way through to Jerusalem and Judea. How did, how did they know? How did it spread so quickly? Why did it spread so quickly? Well, the reason it spread was because it was controversial. It was unheard of. It was unthinkable in the minds of many of the believers at that time that the, the Gentiles should be receiving the word of God. And so it spread like wildfire. And people, the, the early believers, they weren't happy about it. They weren't happy. It didn't fit into the way that they thought. And so they, they criticized Peter. After the news spread, Peter went to Jerusalem and when he got there, they criticized him. And this is what they said there in verse 3. They said to him, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. Instead of them rejoicing that these, these pagans had received the gospel and now they're worshipping the one true God, the, 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 the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, now they recognize Christ 
as their saviour. Instead of them rejoicing over these wonderful truths, they, they were angered that, that, that Peter had the audacity to go into the house of this Gentile. And it says here that, 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 that he ate with them. And they were not happy about this. In their minds, Peter had broken the law. Peter had been unfaithful to the traditions they held. And when you read in Acts chapter 10, you see that this was also going through Peter's mind. Peter, when he got to the house where Cornelius lived, the first thing that he said to them was this. He said, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. Peter thought this way as well. The only reason he went was because he had been forced, if you like, by God. You can read, you would have heard about that when you went through chapter, chapter 10, how God dragged him, if you like, by the scruff of the neck. He made it so obvious to Peter that this was God saying to him, you need to go. The vision happened three times. It took three times for him to, to, to get it, and even still he didn't get it. And you can, we, we're going to go through it in a minute. But God had to really convince Peter to go. And the reason was because this was how he thought, that this was wrong, this was not right. In the mind of a first century Jew, to associate yourself with a person who was a Gentile, a non-Jew, was to defile yourself. That was to make yourself unclean or impure or dirty. You, you were not keeping spiritual purity. Now, there's nothing in the Old Testament that says this, that you cannot go into the house of a Gentile or non-Jew. You don't find that anywhere, but it was a tradition that had been handed down from their fathers. When you read through the Gospels, you see that the Pharisees were holding the traditions of the fathers higher than the word of God. Well, this was, this was, this was one of them. It was a tradition that they had. And it affected the way that, that, that they served God, the way that they, they viewed other people. And they thought, well, maybe Gentiles could become part of God's covenant, but first they had to become a Jew. That was the only way. If a, if a Gentile, if someone like us in England, if we wanted the spiritual blessings that are found in Christ, first we had to become a Jew. That was the way they thought. Somehow they failed to see that God's purpose for the world, for all the nations, was that would, is that they would praise him. That all nations would, would gather and worship the one true God. They failed to see it. It's all throughout the Old Testament and yet they failed to see it. It's there in the first book of the Old Testament when God gave that promise to Abraham and he said to Abraham, says, I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. They failed to recognize that in Abraham, in his seed, all the nations would be blessed. They didn't see that. They, they failed to recognize that. And in the final book of the Old Testament, God's, God made a, a similar statement that, that his purpose was for all the nations. When he said this in Malachi 1.11, he said, For from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations, and in every place incense will be offered to my name, and a pure offering for my name will be great among the nations says the Lord. In the first book of the Old Testament and in the final book and in many of the other books in between, you see that God has a purpose for all the nations. And yet the, the, the Jewish believers had failed to see it. And they'd also failed to see the teachings of the Lord Jesus himself. In Matthew 8, 11, Jesus said, I tell you, many will come from the east and the west and recline at the table of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Many will come from the east and from the west. They failed to see it. They failed to recognize it. They failed to understand. 
And as a result, they were reluctant to take the gospel to the Gentiles. They'd been blinded by their traditions. <coughs> and because of that, those who needed the gospel were not hearing the gospel. Now, before we here today say to ourselves, well, that's terrible and we would never do anything like that. Well, we must be aware that the, the same kind of danger faces Christians, believers in Christ today. Of course, not the same traditions. We would never say, well, someone had to become a Jew before they could turn to Christ. We don't have those kind of traditions. But there are man-made ideas today which can, which can disrupt or hinder the work of God the same way that these man-made ideas were affecting the work of God in their day. And one of them is very popular in our culture today and, and it does affect evangelism and Christians, some Christians do believe it and that, that is that religion is a personal thing and that, well, you just keep your faith to yourself and you don't really talk about God. It's not... It's not the kind of thing that you do. You don't share about Jesus with other people. It's a personal thing. It's something that you keep to yourself. And that's a man-made idea. That's something that's common in our society. And it hinders the work of God. It's a human, if you like, a human tradition. And it's not true. And just like how, that's just one example, but just like how their traditions were affecting the, the, their evangelism, it could be the same for us today as believers we can have ideas that don't come from the word of God, that come from secular society, or we make them up ourselves, and they affect evangelism, they affect the gospel, the, 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 the work that God has, has given to every believer to share about the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, let us learn from their mistakes, not to do the same thing. And let us examine ourselves, what we believe, according to the word of God, and make sure that there's nothing like that in our thinking that hinders, that stops us from telling people about Jesus. That's one example. There are many more. But we, do, we, must, we must consider these things. And so this was what the Jews were doing in our passage. Their traditions was, were blinding them to, to what God wanted them to do. And that's what made the idea of the gospel going to the Gentiles hard to swallow. But yet when we get to the end in, in verse 18, we see that, that this changed. And so what was it? that caused this to change? What was it that brought around, brought about this, this change? Well, look with me in the verses that follow, and, and we get the answer. The gospel going to the Gentiles was hard to swallow, but yet God made it very clear to them that this was his will. And this is what we see in verses 4 through to 17. After Peter was criticized by the, by the believers there in Jerusalem, he opened his mouth and he defended himself. And Ashley went through some of these verses. I think it was Ashley preached through some of these verses. And, and you've already heard them. But Jesus, uh, sorry, Peter uh, rehearsed them before the people and he defended himself. And basically what he says is, he says, God made it very clear to me that the gospel was for the Gentiles. And so who was I that I could oppose God? And he was obedient and he took the gospel to Cornelius. And God made it very clear to Peter in three ways. Firstly, Peter begins by telling them about his vision. Peter had a vision. He went through it in chapter 10. And Peter told them about this vision. And in verses 4 through 10, in, in our reading there in chapter 11, he explains what happened. He said that there was that great sheet that came down from heaven. There was the beast on it. And God said, rise and eat. Rise, kill and eat. Now Peter said, not so, Lord, I'm not going to do it. Nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. 
I've never eaten anything that is unclean. And the Lord said to him, what God has made clean, do not call common. And the point of the vision was that God was saying that the beasts were representative of the Gentiles. And God was saying that God, that he has made clean the Gentiles. So do not call them common. After he'd had this vision, this happened three times. And after this, um, just as it finished, these, these men came from Cornelius to where Peter was staying there in Joppa. And, and they, they said, look, we've been sent and you must come to Cornelius. And, and as these men come, the Holy Spirit says to Peter, do not, do not be afraid to go with them. Do not show any distinction. I have sent them. Go with them. And Peter goes. And as he goes, he goes to Cornelius. And Cornelius explains to him how the angel had come to his house, had appeared to him, and told him that he must send for Peter. Because Peter has a message that, that he needs to hear, a message by which he can be saved, him and all his household. And so, of course, he sends to Peter. And then as Peter goes and begins to preach the gospel, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit descends upon them, just as he did upon the believers, the Jewish believers there on the day of Pentecost. And Peter realized that God is, is making it very clear that the gospel is for the, Jew, for the Gentile as well as the Jew. He said, just as the Holy Spirit fell upon us, so he fell upon them, making no distinction. The Gentiles, if you like, had their own Pentecost, if you want to put it that way. And it happened there in chapter 10. And God was showing that there was no difference between the two. So you had the, the vision of Peter, you had the angel of Cornelius, and then you had the Holy Spirit who descended upon the, 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 the Gentiles. And Peter, at the end of all this, said... Who was I that I could stand in God's way? God made it very clear to Peter, to those who were there, that all of these events were orchestrated by him and that the Gentiles, people like us, we too have a place in God's covenant, in his promises, in the New Testament, the new covenant made in Christ's blood. This was clear that the Gentiles had a place in the family of God. The middle wall, as it says there in Ephesians or Colossians, it says the middle wall of partition is broken down and the two have been made one. One body in Christ. There's no hierarchy of Christians. All Christians are equal before God, the Gentiles as well as the Jews. Now Peter clearly understood that this was God's will and that's why he, 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 he defended himself before these people. He knew that, that he risked opposition. I'm sure that, that, that when he was being obedient to God, taking the gospel to those in Cornelius' house, I'm sure he was fearful at the same time, thinking, what are they going to think in Jerusalem? What are, what are the Jewish believers going to say? What are the other apostles going to say that I'm going to these Gentiles and preaching the gospel? I'm sure he was worried that although he was obeying God's will, what would man say? And yet he was still obedient, even though he risked opposition. And he did receive opposition, didn't he? But here's an example for us as believers. We too will face opposition in our Christian lives, being obedient to God's will. Even sometimes Christians can, can sometimes misunderstand things and oppose us when we're clearly obeying what God wants us to do. But let Peter be an example to us this morning that... We must follow God's will. We must 
fear God and not fear man. Just as Peter did, even in the risk of being misunderstood or opposed, he still obeyed the will of God. And we must do that as well. But yet, that's not the main point of this section. The main point of this section is that God is concerned about the Gentile nations as well. God is concerned for all the nations that in Christ there is salvation for them as well. And God's purpose for the whole world was that they would praise him. And he has made this very clear to Peter. He wanted his church to go to the, the, the savages, to the barbarians, to, to the pagans. Our nation, before the gospel came here, in very early on in the first or second century, our, our, our nation was totally pagan. We were savages. But the gospel came and transformed us, transformed Britain. And that happened because God made it very clear that the gospel was for all the nations. And we should be grateful this morning. We sit here this morning because of that, because of the free grace of God. Because Jesus Christ is not just for the Jews, but also for the Gentiles. And he made it very clear in these verses that that was true. But if you are here this morning and you're not a believer, then you need to believe in Jesus Christ. God has made it very clear that the gospel is for the Gentiles. And I'm guessing here this morning you are a Gentile. And many of us have, have taken advantage of the grace of God and we've believed in Jesus Christ and we've been saved. But if you're here this morning and you have not yet done that, then I encourage you, I urge you to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Take the, the, the privilege that God has given you, that he didn't have to give you, but he has given you in Christ. Receive forgiveness of sin, peace with God, eternal life by believing in Jesus Christ this morning. And so God made it very clear. They opposed it. It was hard to swallow at first, but God made it very clear to them that the gospel was for the Gentiles. And what we see in the final verse was that they understood that this was true and they realized that this was news to share. It was hard to swallow, but God made it clear to see and then they realized that this was news to share. After hearing Peter's defense, in verse 18, we read that the, Gent the, sorry, the Jewish believers fell silent. They were silenced, their arguments were taken away, and then we read that they glorified God. They fell silent, they glorified God, they praised him. And then, at the end of verse 18, this is what they said. Then to the Gentiles also, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Other translations capture the surprise well, and they translate it like this. Then, even to the Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Even to the Gentiles, even to the pagan nations, God in his great love and mercy has granted repentance that leads to life. The church now recognized that God intended the gospel to go to the Gentiles. And, and what we see is that in the end, from the rest of the book, that's what they, that's what they intended to do, to take the gospel to the Gentiles. But look at what they said. The phrase they used was that God has granted repentance that leads to life. Now, what does that mean? 
Well, that phrase can be taken in two ways. What does it mean that God has granted or given repentance that leads to life? Well, it can be taken in two ways, and it probably means both. Now, the first way that it can be taken is that God has granted repentance that leads to life to the Gentiles, meaning that he has given, he has made, he has given them the opportunity to repent and believe. He, he has made it possible by taking the gospel to them. He's given the opportunity so that when they hear, they can indeed repent and believe. He gives the opportunity. But yet, it can also be taken in another way. And, and this is equally true. That God has granted repentance that, that leads to life in the sense that he also gives the ability. He gives the opportunity and he gives the ability to repent. The Bible says that we're dead in sin. Jesus said that no man can come to me except the Father draws him. In order for anyone to repent, God must do a work of grace in their lives. He must, he must draw them by his spirit. And he gives the ability to repent. And that's the way this can also be taken. And the, the bo both are true. God has granted repentance that leads to life to the Gentiles by giving them the opportunity and the ability. And because of that, we are here this morning. Many of us have repented and believed because God has granted repentance that leads to life to us. The fact that it leads to life means that it leads to eternal life. Life that begins now in a relationship with God and life that goes on forever in the new heavens and the new, in the new, heavens and the new earth where God will dwell among us and we will forever be with the Lord. Eternal life granted to us through repentance. Repentance that leads to eternal life. And so what was the response of the church after figuring this out? What did they do? Well, I've already alluded to it. In verse 18, we read that they glorified God. And then, in the rest of the book, we see that, that they took the gospel to the Gentiles. That was their response. From chapter 13 all the way through to chapter 28 of the book of Acts, they took the gospel, this good news of Jesus Christ, to the Gentile nations. And that was their response. God granted repentance to the Gentiles. And from the rest of the book, we see that they made sure that they knew about it. And they took the gospel to them. And so what should, that was the response of the church then. So what should our response be to these truths today? What should our response be to the fact that God has granted repentance that leads to life to the Gentiles, even to the Gentiles? What should our response be this morning? Well, if you are here this morning and you're not a believer, then your response should be to believe. To believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. To turn from your sin and turn to Christ. That should be your response if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian. Believe on Jesus Christ and be saved. But if, if, if you are here this morning and you are a Christian, then what should your response be? Well, our response should be the same as the church then. And we should make sure that the Gentiles know about it. We should make sure that we're telling Gentiles, people, our neighbours, our family, our friends, people we don't know, people on the train, people on the bus, people in the town centre. We should be telling people the good news that God has granted repentance that leads to life, even to the Gentiles. That if people in Painton turn from their sin and believe in Jesus Christ, they can be saved from hell. They can be forgiven. Instead of being God's enemies, they can be children of God. 
Instead of going to hell, they can go to heaven. Instead of being cast out, they can be brought in. Instead of being rejected on the last day, they can be accepted and welcomed into, the, in, in, into God's kingdom. That's good news. And we should be telling people of Painton, people we know, people we don't know, that God has granted repentance that leads to life to the Gentiles. That's what the early church did, and that's what we must do. This news is wonderful. The Bible calls it the glorious gospel. And our response should be this morning that we tell people that there is life in Jesus Christ. We cannot save people. Do some door-to-door work. You'll soon realize that you cannot save anyone. God saves. God says he will save. He does save. We're here today because he does save. We cannot save, but we can tell. And that's what we're called to do. And I wonder, is this a priority in your life? Is this a priority in your life to tell people about Jesus Christ? I don't think that this will happen. I don't think it will really happen. But would there be anyone who could turn around on the day of judgment and say, he never told me. He knew me for years and he didn't even tell me I needed a saviour. I don't think that will ever happen, but imagine if it did. Could anyone ever say that to you? She knew, and I saw her every week, and she didn't tell me about the Christ. She didn't tell me about this repentance that leads to life. It's very challenging, isn't it? It's challenging for me, but sometimes we need to be challenged. The Bible does not tell us to know all the answers, but it does tell us to tell people about Christ. And I wonder, is this a priority in your life? Well, this was a priority in the early church, and you can read through the book of Acts, and you can see it was a priority. And, and we must make it ours. This is wonderful news. God has granted repentance that leads to life, even to the Gentiles. That's just wonderful. And so we are here today as a result of what happened in these verses. We can trace our heritage, if you like, our history as Gentile believers to these verses here. The gospel is even for the Gentiles. Now, this was a hard fact to swallow. God made it clear to see. And then the church saw that it was news to share. And because of that, we are here today. And we can praise God for it. Now, if you are here and you're not a Christian, if you're not saved, then believe on Jesus Christ and be saved. And if you are a Christian this morning, then tell others the good news. God has granted repentance that leads to life, even for the Gentiles. We're just going to have a word of prayer and then I'll hand back over to Steve. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, for the, the wonderful truths that we find in it. We thank you that in your word we find the Lord Jesus Christ. And we, and, and, and we learn of you and all your attributes. We see you in all your splendor. Father, we thank you that in your word we find comfort. And we also find challenge. And Father, I pray that you'll take your word and you'll sit it to our hearts today, Father. In whatever area we need to changing whether we need to repent and believe for the first time and be saved father i'm sure there's some among us this morning who have not yet done that i need to do it before it's too late father i pray that you'll give them that you will grant to them this repentance that leads to life and father for those of us who have believed and are believing father give us the boldness and the grace and the desire and the love to share this good news with others we pray these things in jesus name amen